Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm Ellie Krieger, and in this episode, I'm talking with James Beard Award-winning registered dietitian Carolyn Williams about reducing inflammation for whole body health, a topic she dives into in her new book, Meals That Heal, One Pot. Chronic inflammation is thought to be at the root of a wide spectrum of ailments, from skin and gut issues to heart disease. Lucky for us, there are easy and delicious foods that can help you keep inflammation in check. Listen. Carolyn Williams, great to have you here. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk with you. You are just such an inspiration to me. All the work that you have done is absolutely inspiring. And you're such a leader in this world of understanding inflammation and how to eat for it. And I know my listeners are probably, you know, super excited to hear more about this and to make it simple. And that's one of the things that you're so good at really simplifying it. So it's not just a confusing mess of terms, but it's actually actionable stuff to do that's not hard to do. And so when you say eat to beat inflammation, we're going to find out exactly what that means and how not hard and how absolutely delicious it can be. But before we kind of launch into those specifics, I think it's really important to understand your motivation here and what got you into wanting to learn about inflammation, because this is a very personal to you. It is. And to be honest, in the word inflammation or anti-inflammatory wasn't even on my radar six years ago. And so how did I get here? Just as you said, it's kind of taken over my area of dietetics that I practice in and all my writing and cookbooks. Um, you know, it was it was several things. It was getting um, thrown a variety of different articles to write. Um, that when I looked at on paper, they looked very different and I pulled completely different research for them. But when I sat down, when I finally was still for a few moments and took a vacation and kind of thought about all the research I'd done a couple of years ago, um, I realized that there was one underlying theme in all of them. And inflammation, low-grade chronic inflammation, was a key driver. Sometimes it was a trigger for the onset, but it played a role in every single thing, thyroid issues, um, cancer, Alzheimer's, diabetes. But what really made it hit home is while I was just starting to get into inflammation, trying to understand it, and how do you even simplify this so you can do it on a school night? Um, I, my daughter started having some odd symptoms. Um, and you know, we went to doctor after doctor and they said, you know, nothing's shown up wrong on lab tests or MRIs or anything. And fast forward to probably about six months. And, you know, I just, <laughs> they told me now I went to the next one, um, you know, or there was nothing. And she was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. And so here I am immersed in this inflammation research and then autoimmune conditions. They are one of the most reactive conditions to inflammation in the body. And so it kind of became, okay, you've got to live this anti-inflammatory. You've got to figure out this research, simplify it, and now lift this because diet is really one of the key factors in controlling inflammation. And that really, you know, 
helps her avoid flare-ups. So you have found that after being dismissed by doctors and sort of no one could figure out what was happening, that putting her on an anti-inflammatory and your whole family really on an anti-inflammatory way of eating has helped your child's condition tremendously. I mean, that's just remarkable, remarkable, really the power of it. So explain to us what is inflammation? Okay. In the simplest terms, like what is this? We all hear this. Some of us may have a bigger grasp on it than others, but in general, we all sort of hear this word buzzing about, but we're, what exactly is it? Okay. Inflammation by design is not a bad thing. Inflammation is a reaction of our immune system and it was designed to heal the body, to fight off foreign invaders, to fight off pathogens. So you see inflammation, like you get a paper cut and your finger hurts and it's red. That's inflammation. That's the white blood cells, the healing compounds coming in. That's good. And then it dissipates. It goes away. Same for a sprained ankle or, you know, you run a fever for 24 hours. That fever is a sign of inflammation. It's showing your body's doing what it's supposed to. It's running off the bad bacteria or viruses, and then it goes away. So that's what we refer to as acute inflammation. And we need that to heal our body, to keep us well. Um, But so what we're talking about here and what my focus really is on is something called low-grade chronic inflammation. And, you know, there's two big differences with low-grade chronic inflammation. It is... um, Well, first, it doesn't go away. So it's a little more and it's more subtle than acute. So you're not going to have those overt symptoms like a fever or swelling or redness that you can see. Um, It's going to be much more subtle. And that's why it's kind of hard to, you know, pick up triggers until something progresses. Um, But it also doesn't dissipate like the acute does. It just sits. It just stays in your body unless you do something about it. I tell people it's kind of like a motor kind of running in the background of your body. And when you have a little inflammation, that makes your body somewhat hypersensitive or hyperreactive to other things, to reacting to other irritants that could cause inflammation. And one of the big things I didn't mention about low-grade chronic inflammation is, you know, um, Acute is caused by illness or pathogens or a cut or, you know, sprain or something. Um, Chronic inflammation is caused by lifestyle irritants. So, you know, 100 years ago, this really wasn't that great of an issue. Um, But lifestyle irritants, irritants of which um, diet plays a huge role, but also stress, not getting adequate sleep, you know, being sitting still for too long, being sedentary carrying excess body fat, um, all of those act as irritants. So once you have a little inflammation, then these irritants that we're all getting on a daily basis can trigger the inflammation to flare up even more. Yeah, it's remarkable. So it's not like a condition, like where is your daughter had maybe some obvious flare-ups? It's not, and some people may, which we can talk about a little bit, how you know if you're suffering from inflammation per se, but really this is something that affects every single one of us because this kind of chronic low-grade inflammation is thought to be at the root of pretty much every single illness and, and chronic disease that you can think of from heart disease, arthritis, neurological problems, it's crazy. signs of aging, yeah. diabetes. So 
everyone essentially should be focusing on eating in a way and living their life in a way that reduces inflammation. And so what I love about this actually is that it's nothing that's different really from the way of eating and the way of living that promotes health in general. And every single thing that I've talked about on this one real good thing podcast from eating greens to getting activity snacks to um, to finding gratitude in your life to all the other healthy eating advice, eating more beans and so on. It all actually is anti-inflammatory and that's not a coincidence. It It is. And you know, the Mediterranean diet, the most well-researched diet we have, it's an anti-inflammatory diet. It works because it reduces inflammation. And that's what I slowly was so fun for me is I slowly put these puzzle pieces together. And now my friend's probably make fun of me. They laugh. Um, but, um, you know, I can see inflammation involved in everything now. And, you know, somebody got sick and I was like, oh, her immune system's run down because she's got some inflammation from the stress, you know, thyroid issues, hormone imbalances, you know, I just, it's, it plays a role in every single thing in our body. And we all have some low grade chronic inflammation in our body. I like to tell people to think of it on a spectrum and we just want to keep it at the very low end of the spectrum. You know, you can tell like you go on vacation and maybe indulge and don't exercise and you come back and stuff feels a little off, you know, maybe you're bloated some that's like little early yellow flags, your body's waving, you know, and you get back to your healthy eating habits and that goes back and you start to feel like, yourself a little more. Um, So it's very subtle. Right. So it's being in tune with how you feel and understanding those sort of like ebbs and flows that is just natural with life. Like no one expects you never to drink too much on a Saturday night now and then perhaps, you know, or whatever. And then it's this recovery period and what is the usual that really matters here. So what is your usual? How do you create your, um, your, your typical way of eating. I've talked a lot about this, this, my whole concept of usually sometimes rarely. So it's okay to rarely go off the rails, right? I mean, we have yeah. to, yeah. but, um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so this is about your usually, but so I just want to get back to this for a minute. So this pertains to everyone, this kind of way of eating, this pertains to you. If, even if you feel like, oh, I don't have inflammation. Well, great. I mean, I hope you feel like that. But this way of living, this way of eating, these foods, the way of eating to beat inflammation, as is your one real good thing here that we're talking about, it's not some different diet. It's really, it's really in sync with everything else I've been talking about over the weeks of this podcast. So it's not like some confusing thing, like you have to go on a special diet. I mean, this is a diet for well-being overall across the board, healthy living kind of stuff. Um, But it but understanding inflammation is important and maybe a good motivator for people and also to tap into how they're feeling. So, okay. So you might have this low grade information, but then some people are really suffering from inflammation as your daughter potentially was. So how do you know if you are particularly suffering from inflammation, what are the signs? And by the way, you talk about this in your book. So I just want everyone to know that um, (laughs) this is all really covered so beautifully, extensively, but very clearly and crisply and easily to understand easy to understand in your book. I just want to tell everyone again, Meals That Heal, One Pot is the name of the book. And just really, Carolyn, the book's amazing. And I love how you get into all of this 
so clearly and, and you, with so many amazing tools and resources. So, but I'm going to let you talk now. So, uh, so what are the signs of inflammation if we're really having a problem with it? So, you know, going back to those subtle ones, a lot of it starts very subtly and it, they're easy for us to blow off especially as women, especially as busy working professionals, it's just easy to blow off. You know, it's like maybe some new digestive issues like bloating or gas or, you know, just things not being your norm that are happening several times a week or frequently. Um, A um, new skin irritations or maybe you notice maybe some new sensitivities to food. Um, you know, an inability to lose weight or maintain your weight, um, that can signal some inflammation and hormone imbalance in there. Um, fatigue, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all those things that we all deal with on occasion. They're never any things that you would go make a doctor's appointment for. But when you sit down, you know, three months later, you're like, huh. I've been kind of bloated every time I eat, you know, this sandwich or, you know, something. It kind of clicks. You know, maybe I should mention that at my doctor's appointment. That's probably early inflammation and that's when you can catch it. But more advanced signs when inflammation progresses are going to be like um, elevated LDL cholesterol, elevated triglycerides. Um, or maybe your lipids and your blood pressure are normal, but, but only because you take medication for them. Um, so needing medication to keep them in the normal range, elevated blood pressure, um, elevated hemoglobin A1C, um, elevated fasting blood glucose. Those are, that's when you're getting a little more measurable, which, you know, it's really, we all really like some of those black and white things, but, you know, hope if you can catch it earlier, um, it's easier to put out, but you can certainly calm inflammation at that point. And then it can progress um, to, you know, diabetes or, you know, a full-blown condition. Sure. So it's interesting that you say I, the early signs because are really the gut and the skin, because those are our cells in our body that are exposed to the external world, essentially. And they're the cells in our body that turn over the most frequently. So it makes sense that that would be the first Mm-hmm. place where these sort of imbalances would show up or this inflammation would show up. And I personally, in my skin, I notice it right away, particularly if I don't get enough sleep. Like if I'm shooting my show and it's like 14 hour days and maybe there's one or two weeks of that at a stretch yeah. by the end of those two weeks, my skin is wrecked. Like I completely yeah. see a difference in my skin uh, sort of luminosity, I guess. And like, it it kills my glow, you know? So I could see that right away. And it it is really interesting how it does show up when you're really in tune to your skin and your digestion. digestion. We all know, you know, I think stress is the main one. I kind of had to have a talk with myself earlier this year about stress um, because I just had two or three years of chronic stress and it was starting to impact my health. And I thought, you know, it doesn't matter what you eat. Carolyn, if you're not tackling stress, because it acts as an irritant, um, too. So, um, so how do we eat to be, I mean, so lifestyle is important in all of this. It's really like a holistic approach, but there is a specific way of eating to beat inflammation, as you say, and as your one real good thing. So how do we eat to beat inflammation? What are the principles of that? You know, it really is simplifying what you eat. Focusing more, I know people probably get tired of 
dietitians say this, but on those whole foods, on those minimally processed foods. Um, but what I try to emphasize in my book is this doesn't necessarily mean cooking everything from scratch. You know, a lot of people hear that and they think, oh, I don't have time to, I don't stay at home all day. I can't cook every meal from scratch. You, I can't either. Um, you know, and so that's what I try to share with people. We have some great products out there now, but just eating more whole, less processed foods, skipping those foods that have the colorings, the dyes, the chemicals, the things that aren't naturally in food to begin with. So choosing more whole, minimally processed foods, choosing when upping our produce, particularly our fruits and vegetables, especially the colored ones. Um, and, you know, cleaning up your diet a little, just, you know, minimizing when you minimize those processed foods, um, that will naturally get rid of a lot of the irritants in your body. But what is also so key to, you know, adopt when you adopt anti-inflammatory eating habits is to focus on your gut as well, because, and I don't know if y'all have talked about this in another episode, but your gut microbes create a protective lining in your intestines and they allow when you eat food and you digest it, they allow the microbes allow all the good stuff, the digested carbohydrates and proteins and vitamins and minerals through, but they protect, they prevent a lot of the junk in food from flowing through the intestinal walls into the bloodstream. But when your gut is disrupted or you have an unhealthy gut um, dysbiosis, um, then your microbial lining in your intestines isn't quite as strong and it's got gaps in it um, where a lot of those toxins, the things that you know, the microbial wall usually prevents, a lot of those can now flow through the intestinal walls into the bloodstream. So those irritants are entering your body and you sometimes hear refer, this referred to as leaky gut. Well, essentially is that you've got gaps or holes in this protective microbial lining. So, you know, inflammation really, a lot of it starts with your gut because that's how a lot of these irritants are getting in the body. So, you know, you want to minimize those minimally, minimally processed foods up that produce and those some key um, foods in particular, but you also want to focus on restoring repopulating, taking care of your gut on a daily basis. Yeah. So it's interesting because so the foods to eat, when you say minimally processed, it's basically whole fruits, whole vegetables, whole grains, mm -hmm. beans, beans, nuts, seeds, all of these foods that are such a cornerstone of all my recipes, all your recipes, yeah. all of what we talk about here. But I think one commonality here in terms of gut health is fiber. All of these foods that we that I just mentioned are incredibly rich in fiber, and that is really going to nourish. That is essentially the food for the good bacteria in your gut that is going to make them happy and healthy. Um, yeah. So, so I think that's a common link. Plus, there's a million antioxidants and all of these other healing aspects of these foods. But um, also, it's fermented healthy. foods feeding your gut. Uh, as so, I'm guessing that you could. And I know in your book, you talk a lot about getting more fermented foods, which are going to have those good gut bacteria in them. Yeah. You know, there was a study done, I believe last summer um, out at USC, I believe. Um, and it looked at, it put two different populations, one population they put on a high fiber diet, the other population they put on a fermented food diet. 
um, and followed them. And, you know, both both populations, their gut health improved, but in different ways. And it was the fermented food population where their um, microbes just really grew in diversity and number, um, you know, so getting some fermented foods is just really, really key. And I struggled with this for, for a while, um, you know, finding something, yogurt, of course, is one, but, you know, finding some other things. Um, and now, um, you know, that you can get sauerkraut, some pickled vegetables, you know, you want to get these items refrigerated if you buy them at the grocery, because if they're on the shelf, they've been pasteurized, killed most of the good bacteria. Um, miso, tempeh, um, kimchi. Um, but to me, one of the easiest ways, and it took me a while to find what I like, was um, kombucha every day. And I will tell, I like to tell people this because I was, for a long time, I was like, I really need to like this. And I just, it smells so vinegary. And I just kept trying. And there's so many brands out now. And I found some that I really, really like and enjoy. And when I get home, you know, at five o'clock, I kind of want to pour a glass of kombucha over ice more so than have a glass of wine. I'm like, this is crazy. What happened to me? Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I also love kefir, which is like a drinkable yogurt. Yeah. And I just love the tang of it. And even if you just have like kind of a little shot of it, if you, it's a great snack. Yeah. Um, but these are all great options. So um, you, you talk about minimally processed foods. And so actually, it's okay to have minimally processed. I think this whole conversation about processed foods is important because when things are highly processed, it generally removes their nutrients, their key nutrients and antioxidants. The processing, the processing process <laughs> generally also removes fiber, but minimally processed. I think there's a big difference here. And there is, just as there's a spectrum of inflammation, there's a spectrum of processing. So we don't have to eat every single thing, whole foods and cook you know, everything from scratch every night, definitely focusing on that as much as possible. But I mean, grabbing an apple and just snacking on that counts as eating whole food. So it doesn't have to be difficult. But there's also plenty of minimally processed foods and that you talk about that work, that are great. And so you don't have to worry necessarily about some of these minimally processed foods. And actually, they can be great tools to helping you on your way to an anti-inflammatory way of eating in a very modern living friendly way. So yeah. what are these minimally processed foods? What does that mean to you? And what are some of your go-tos? They are some fantastic shortcuts that I buy on a regular basis to just help with meal prep or um, so, you know, now that we have some really good brands that are looking at quality ingredients, there's some good salad dressings out there. You can find them made with sometimes with extra virgin olive oil, some with avocado oil. Um, so I keep several of those. Um, I buy, I keep jarred um, marinara. That's a staple um, in my, in my pantry. I can make, you know, spaghetti over zoodles or, or whatever it is, but, and there's a lot out there. So the key for me is to look at this jar of marinara or salad dressing, whatever I'm looking at and turn it over and look at the ingredient list really doesn't matter the length of the ingredient list. I mean, shorter is usually better, but there used to be this rule like five or less ingredients. Well, it could be five, you know, chemicals in there or four, you know, junk in there. 
you want to look at the ingredients. So if I'm buying a jar of marinara, I want to see that the ingredients listed in there are pretty much exactly what I might put in it if I was following a recipe at home. So I want to see tomatoes, even better with organic tomatoes, onion, garlic, basil, some olive oil. You know, that's what I want to see is the ingredient and maybe salt, pepper, maybe a touch of um, touch of sugar at the very end to balance flavors, but, you know, very, very little. Um, that's what I want to see in there. And my salad dressing, I ideally, I want to see extra virgin olive oil or olive oil listed as the first, you know, and then, you know, maybe lemon juice, Dijon mustard, you know, herbs, spices, you know, the things that if I were cooking it at home, you know, that and pulled up a recipe that I would see in that recipe. And that's really my tool for gauging health value because, you know, I, we tend to take an all or nothing approach and I'm really bad about that. And we take it, um, we tend to take an all or nothing approach, particularly with our diet. And it's like, oh, if it can't totally be made from scratch, well then, you know, let's just grab takeout, you know, and that's, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for anybody. So, you know, I really, I really love that we have a lot of new products on the market and coming to the market that are really factoring in ingredient quality. And you can find a lot of these shortcuts out there, you know, frozen rice cauliflowers, one I always keep in my freezer. Um, you know, there's, there's so many things out there um, these days and that are okay. Yeah. And there are so many frozen freezers, a great way to preserve food without any additives um, and canning yeah. too, by the way, people don't realize the canning, the process of canning is the preservation, the heating and putting it in the can that there's no preservatives necessary, necessary in canned food. So things like canned beans, you don't have to worry about that. Um, and, yeah. and it's so handy to have. And also um, frozen. I love, they have like frozen, quinoa, now, cooked grains, yes. all kinds of cooked grains in the freezer. I like to freeze them even myself, but you can, you know, I, I am known to pick up a bag of frozen brown rice and that's amazing. I love having that on hand. And I love your idea for the frozen rice cauliflower. I love that too. It makes for such a quick like side dish. So also I think people shouldn't be all or nothing about even things in the grocery store in the produce section that are prepped. Yes, it's better if you go home, if you buy something from the farmer's market that has dirt still clinging to it and you wash it and prep it yourself. Yeah, that's ideal. But every day is not doesn't have to be ideal to be great. Right. Don't let perfect get in the way of good. Right. So going to the grocery store and buying already zoodled um, cauliflower or squash or cut up squash or pre-washed greens, it's all good. You're yeah. making dinner. You're using fresh ingredients. It's yeah. fine that it's been prepped. I mean, take advantage of those shortcuts if you can. Even some of the bagged salads. I mean, it may not be perfect. It may not have exactly what you want in the dressing that comes with it. Um, but it's good. And it's what would be the alternative? Right. You know? you, yeah. It's a critical thing in thinking about nutrition and making choices instead of what is what to ask yourself. So if you're going to get a bag salad and you're resisting because you're like, oh, I should really be washing my own greens and making my own, but will you really do that? So you'd be getting yeah. this bag salad instead of what? Instead of some fast food drive-through, yeah. 
get the bag salad, right? I would rather you get your leafy greens in. Um, yeah, totally. You know. And and so let's talk about, our, I mean, I know we're talking about so many things, but I think the whole concept of organic is very, comes up a lot when you talk about inflammation, when people talk about inflammation. And I, I think an all or nothing approach is sometimes problematic with talking about organic because I've seen people not eat blueberries because they're not organic. And I don't know if you agree that that's a mistake, (laughs) like eat blueberries, no matter what, and I'm calling out blueberries just because I've seen that personally, people making that choice, but it goes across the board that people will actually avoid produce because it's not organic. And as a result, eat less produce, which is a huge problem, Um, but maybe organic is better in some ways. So what's your take on that? You know, um, Organic is great if you can find it, if you can afford it. It's not something I can buy. You know, all my produce is not organic every week. I can't afford that. Um, you know, it's there's going to be less pesticides, less insecticides um, on the outside of the produce, and that but, and that that connects to inflammation. Yes, so those so pesticides. Yeah, things like chemicals um, in our food or own the food can act as irritants in the body to trigger more inflammation. So, you know, from a big picture, inflammatory standpoint, yes, it'd be ideal to get rid of as many chemicals as you can. But um, there's a lot of other things that I kind of put higher priority on when it comes to our diet choices. You know, when I can buy organic produce, I don't like, I don't buy organic bananas. You know, that's not where I'd spend my money because it's a super thick peel. You're not eating anything that comes close to that outside peel. You know, I don't need organic bananas. So anything with a, with, so this is a good, this is a great tip. Anything with a real thick rind that you're going to peel off that you're not going to be using, say, to for citrus, you might be zesting it or something. If you're not going to do that, you don't have to really worry about it being organic necessarily. I mean, there are potential ecological implications and reasons to buy organic. There are many different reasons to buy organic, but from an inflammation point of view, particularly nutrition health point of view, it's like less of a concern if you're taking the peel off. Yeah. Same for oranges, grapefruits. Now, you know, I will, I love it when I see like berries, organic, the organic berries on sale, because that is one that I think, okay, it's on sale. I I want these because they have thin skin and you're going to eat the skin. Um, So, you know, that's one place where, you know, yes, that'd be great to have leafy greens. When I see the organic leafy greens on sale, you know, I'll grab those. Um, because those are thin, you're eating the leaves, but I think you do more damage by not eating these foods. You know, if you're trying to just only eat organic, you know, there is so much power in these foods so much that I believe based on research way outweighs the little bit of chemicals that may be on the outside of that produce. Particularly, you're going to give them a rinse, you're going to wash them. Mm -hmm. And you can just do that under cold water. You don't have to worry about like any kind of added cleansers and things, by the way. Um, But just rinsing them and the benefits of eating any kind of colorful, healthful, whole produce outweighs anything else, really. So I just want to like reiterate that. But this is great, Carolyn. And I just want to remind everybody about your book, 
It's meals that heal one pot. And I personally did a little review of the book before it came out. Yes, you did. And, Thank and you I, so much. I provided a quote and I noticed that several of my podcast guests who have I had on have also provided quotes for this uh. book. I'm pr- singing its praises and rightfully so, because it really is a comprehensive look at all things inflammation in a way that's super readable. And there are and there are just like all kinds of wonderful tools in here, like shopping lists and checklists and and strategies, as well as so many great recipes. So congratulations on the book. Thank you. Um, and I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add. I feel like we covered so much um, and, you know, and dug into so many great topics here. I about- will say, I do want to share, you know, first place people come or when they ask me, okay, what do I need to cut out to reduce inflammation? I've got to, I've got to get this inflammation to go down. What do I need to cut out? And they are so surprised when I say, let's go back. Let's talk about what you need to add first, because yeah, we're probably getting too many inflammatory irritants in our diet, but I guarantee you, most people are not getting enough of those anti-inflammatory nutrients and compounds in their diet either. So I try to refocus them to start adding first, and then we can slowly, you know, focus on some aspects of their diet that may be inflammatory. And there are three foods that I tell people to start with. And this is how simple it can be. Um, So eat a cup of leafy greens every day. Try to aim for a cup. You know, usually the darker, the better, but even if it's romaine, just get it in. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a measured cup. It can be like some lettuce on your sandwich and then, you know, something, you know, some greens everywhere. Um, Then the second one is berries. Two to three cups of berries can be fresh or frozen. Get those in. And then the third one is cruciferous vegetables. These are going to be your vegetables that usually stink when you're cooking because of the sulfur compounds in them. But those sulfur compounds are really powerful. And so it's like cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale, broccoli, um, some of those. Try to get in about five servings a week. Start there. Just And, you know, if you can't do all three, start with just berries or leafy greens and get in the habit of doing those. And then add, you know, a second one. And, you know, before you know it, you're you're already eating an anti-inflammatory diet. And you've probably cleaned up your diet some because you added all this good stuff. I love how you think that is the best advice. And I'm so on board with you. I cannot even tell you. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom and your insights and and clarifying all of these issues about inflammation for us. Really appreciate you, Carolyn Williams. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to eat plenty of greens, berries, and cruciferous vegetables. I know those are always on my table. I hope you'll join me next time for another One Real Good Thing.